So we work with cities, we support them in the implementation of the climate and energy plans. And we want to focus more and more on the real implementation because the phase of planning, we have been there and now we really need to speed up the action. We really need to uh, implement adaptation adaptation actions projects on the ground immediately and it goes hand in hand with mitigation Hello, everybody. Welcome to an episode on climate and law. Today, we're here with Katerina Fortun from the European Commission. The podcast is a result of a collaboration between Rethinking Climate and Youth and Environment Europe. In these specific episodes, we explore the legal sphere around the implementation on climate policies in Europe. So welcome, Katerina. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, hello. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, yeah, looking forward to this discussion. Policy officer of DG for Climate Action, Katerina is an economist who, among many other things, divides her time between management of the European Covenant of Mayors, the European Climate Pact, Pioneer Citizens, and particularly youth engagement. And we will actually have a chance to talk about that now. And you have actually worked at the European Commission for over 15 years. So today we will chat about many things, but um, let's talk about the role of governments in this green transition. So in the previous episodes, we talked about uh, FIT 455 and all the concerns there, but you work directly with mayors. So that's very interesting. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, sure. Um, indeed, cities and regions are key in implementing the European Green Deal because 75% of the EU population actually lives uh, in um, in cities and it's also uh, the cities are places where most of the greenhouse gas emissions are and also where most of the jobs are so the cities are the centers of innovation transformation uh, these are laboratories but it's also very much linked to our behavioral changes so cities are definitely key and uh, also for cities we need I would say many ingredients, but I'll mention just three that uh, I find key. And it's first, we need legislation because cities, uh, they are the front runners, especially the mayors. I really admire them a lot because um, in recent years, they have been handling the COVID crisis. Now they have been handling uh, or they are dealing with um, with the energy crisis. Many member states in Central Eastern Europe they are still dealing with still, you know, and daily dealing with the Ukrainian war. And yeah, so they need legal framework, clear legislation. So I'm also happy that today we will talk about it because it's important for cities, but it's also important for industries, for companies, because it provides safety. Where do we go? What do we do? Uh, second, we need investment. So cities, they are always asking, okay, we have so much to do. And the biggest challenge is that most of the negotiation is taking place um, with the member states, so more national level. But at the end, it's really about cities and mayors and town halls. They need to, they need to implement the Green Deal. They need to go with the citizens and with stakeholders through this transition. So they are asking for funding investment. So there are also changes how to support cities uh, more with funds, with regions, it's a bit easier. 
because there is a long-term policy, cohesion policy, so the European structural funds. Um, they support regions and regions are managing these funds, but also there is increase uh, of funds for cities. Of course, we are also trying to get on board private investment, so also city funds, renewable funds, where private investment um, would actually support uh, implementation, especially in energy efficiency, um, in transport. So I'm just thinking about uh, the sectors where there is revenue generating income. Now, and the third ingredient is really to get people on board. So it is all about us, because if we all live, well, 75%, we live in cities, because I, I live in Brussels at the moment then it is about us. It is about who do we vote because these people will do legislation. Where do we invest our money? And it is about where we spend our, also how we spend our money, how we invest, uh, where we um, save our money. And it is about our choices. So the behavioral choices. Um, yeah, like all this legislation funding is crucial, but it can happen only if, we are on board if citizens believe in it. And I think this is the biggest challenge because we need to be united in this climate uh, energy green transition. And with all these challenges that we have nowadays, it's becoming more and more challenging. So it's about being united in, uh, in this climate transition. And I think that's a, that's a very important factor. So you're practically telling us that the green transition in cities is feasible, especially with the Green, green Deal goals. And could you tell us how the European Climate Pact uh, is, is directing their efforts with the mayors? So you did speak about uh, the role, uh, the role of the consumers as well, but which are also the negotiation challenges and the regulatory challenges? Because you and I did chat previously that it's so simple. It looks so simple, but of course, the European Commission and even the European Union member states are made by humans. So what, what are the challenges in this interaction? And what positive factors you've seen coming out from it? Hmm. Yeah, the European Climate Pact is, uh, well, uh, it's, it's a, I, I would still call it a baby, but it, it has been here for two years. So it's a, it's a toddler now. And the European Climate Pact, the aim is really to connect people from all walks of life and implement the Green Deal with people to really get citizens on board. To, it's the first time that the commission is also launching something for people and with people together. So the Climate Pact is a huge co-creation. Um, we are wo yeah, working, co-creating with citizens, with Climate Pact ambassadors, so with you, Asia, also. I'm so happy I could meet you here in Brussels. So we have also the youth strength within the Climate Pact. Of course, uh, we co-create also with businesses, um, industries and with cities with mayors so because we are also managing another um, another initiative the covenant of mayors where we have 10,000 cities that made a political commitment agreement to become climate neutral by 2050 now if we need to honor this agreement and if cities really um, are committed, so how can we support them? So again, how do we support them with legislation? How do we support, support them with funding? And how do we support them 
to get citizens on board so they also feel supported. And that's where the Climate Pact and the Covenant of Mayors, so the mayors can come together. And we are trying to connect you, Asia, and uh, other 1,000 Climate Pact ambassadors that we have on the ground, that we have uh, across Europe, with mayors, also with uh, ministers at regional level or also aiming at national level. We also have an ambassador, uh, the minister of Belgium, Bart Sommers. Uh, he's also a mayor, so we have the yeah we have many mayors on board. We have the mayor of Warsaw, mayor of Stockholm, mayor uh, of uh, yeah from Finland, many mayors also from Italy, and the aim is that the political will commitment is really also translated and understood by citizens, and that's why it's mayors they need you. It's the same as we need you, you know, we need people that are climate activists, people that care, people that want to communicate, that want to encourage, inspire other people around you. So the mayor needs, uh, they need young people, but also other ambassadors to really work together and to reach out to people that are really from all walks of life. Because now I'm making this podcast, but I do it with you, Asia, because you speak English, because you came to Brussels, you know, and we are still staying in a bubble because we are having this podcast in English. So how do we go to Italians? You know, how do we go to your grandmas, uh, to people that maybe are not interested in Brussels at all? And that's where uh, Climate Pact is so essential because we really need to go out there. And we understand that in the commission. And that's something we we try to do through this podcast. So again, uh, having you on board, I think is also very important for us because we get your perspective, which is very relevant and you're dedicating time to us. And uh, before I move on, I'll make a joke that we always use grandmas as, as an example of people we want to reach for climate. That's always, <laughs> I find it very funny. Uh, so for the next question, maybe we can move on to the emission trading system. So we did chat that is quite important and that negotiation is still going on. So uh, possibly can you tell us which instruments we can foresee to achieve these targets in the Fit for 55 package with the ETS and uh, how impact, you know, transportation? You did mention it before. So what can you tell us about this? Yeah, I saw there was already a podcast on Fit for 55. So that's probably prerequisite for uh, what I'm going to say now. So I celebrate that we do have a political provisional agreement. Um, I'm saying provisional because it still needs to be written down uh, with the parliament and the council on CO2 emissions. So it was difficult, but uh, we agreed. So it is supporting the 55 legislative package. And the main achievement, uh, which is really very uh, relevant to cities, is that in 2035, all new cars and vans will be zero emissions. So that's a very clear signal also uh, well, for cities, how to arrange that, you know, also public transport. Um, for instance, when we talk about the car sharing, uh, pooling, uh, of course, the vans, you know, like, uh, but very clear signal for industry, because it usually brings the question like how many people can afford electric car? But if we have such legislation, such commitment, so clear framework, then it also moves the whole private sector, the whole industry. So it is obvious if the industries uh, wish to sell the cars, 
to Europeans. So it has to be for a reasonable, you know, a price. It also has to be, um, of course, the waste and all these questions about batteries, you know, and recycling. Uh, a lot needs to be done. So more and more innovation and uh, research need to be done. So we are all aware of it, but we do have this commitment. So it's, yeah, it's really a, a very important milestone for the climate neutrality in 2015. And also we have agreement to increase national emission reduction targets, uh, special, like in transport buildings, also in waste agricultural sectors. But I will focus more on buildings and transport because these are the most relevant for cities and yeah, for people that uh, live in urban areas. So there will be um, this binding annual greenhouse gas emission targets for member states. It's agreed, which means that member states uh, first, there will be, of course, uh, yeah, there will be changes because uh, that means that member states need to, so national level, regional level, but also city level, they need to, uh, you know, encourage, promote, facilitate much more public transport. So it has to be big changes, uh, especially in cities. Uh, also in buildings, the retrofitting of buildings. Uh, the cooling heating system. So now we have the legislation and now we need the second ingredient, which is the investment and funding. So a lot of financial resources need to go to transport. So public transport, electric, um, yeah, zero emission um, vehicles and into all this transport, uh, yeah, transformation. And uh, so just to mention that the European structural funds will support it more and more. So also the Green Deal, it's important to say that the Green Deal is legislation, it's the whole package, it's the whole transformation. So it's across all DGs, as we call it, directory generals, it's like ministries at national level. And as it's really um, across the whole commission, it, it penetrates very much into funding. So the new generation funds, they all go to more, you know, like big frame of green transition. And the same goes for the European structural fund. So there is big shift also in terms of funding. So a lot for us, for customers, also citizens, you know, uh, it will be public transport. Uh, we also try to, uh, of course, bike lines, you know, like the easiest is like uh, to take a bike or to walk. Trains, you know, so there is also... I'll not go to aviation, but um, there are also success uh, stories there. So I think that train will also be more prominent and in buildings retrofitting. And because we are in winter and in Brussels now we are freezing for us in Brussels. I, I come from Czech Republic, so I know it can go to minus. Here we are around minus and we are freaking out. At least I am <laughs> because it seems very cold. Um, so retrofitting is essential and First, avoid energy. So we also have a lot um, on energy sprints, toolkits for cities, working with mayors, because it's not easy to communicate on energy savings. You know, it's very challenging. People are already uh, having high bills, you know. Uh, how can you tell them to actually put another layer on, just put another jumper, maybe wear a hat? And the worst thing is that you can't even promise that it will get better because it will not. Like 
it, we will not have the energy prices that we had in the past. So we all know that th these will be very difficult, challenging years, transition years, difficult winters. But we also know that we need to speed up and go even faster through the green transition because this is the only way. And do you have also a specific way in which you wish to target the fossil fuel suppliers, especially uh, also in consideration of the increasing costs, because we will all have to tackle this transition process that requires, of course, making choices like the ones you've mentioned. Yeah, uh, as I mentioned, it's always worse for more vulnerable groups. Um, also, when we think about buildings, you know, who lives in uh, the buildings that we name, you know, you know, the letters, but the DFG, not efficient uh, buildings, we have 75% of our buildings are not energy efficient. So mm -hmm. it's huge. So we know that it's also it's time and money. And we know that also with this legislation, the legislation also supports industries and marks uh, where we go as Europe, you know, so also more innovation and research needs to be done in um, in energy efficiency in, in renovation. Now I, I learned about a company in Netherlands. Uh, I'm curious about it because they um, they advertise that actually they will retrofit your house in 24 hours. You know, in 24 hours, so, that's fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I but it it it's linked really to this innovation and new technologies, because we know we need to speed up. But also when I listen to mayors, the big issue is, yeah, they want to do all that, but uh, they don't have electric buses, you know, because there is like no, deliver no delivery. Mm -hmm. They don't have workers to do renovation works. Uh, they don't have material. So it all takes time, time that we don't have. So it is challenging. It is uh, also interesting, for instance, when we talk about just transition regions and because you tackle the fossil fuels, you know, how to also transform or support regions that are, you know, you know, where coal regions, we call them coal regions. So how to, because it's about communities, you know, how do we support these people? And one way is, uh, of course, this renovation, uh, the energy efficiency sector, because it will grow and it will provide for many, many jobs. It has been already providing for many jobs. So the retrofitting is, um, it could be also uh, the, uh, the sector that will support coal regions. And of course, we have the Social Climate Fund. So it's also a new, new proposal. It will be still discussed, so nothing has been agreed yet, but the proposal is to actually use the benefit um, of the of the of the emission trading system and the extension to buildings and transport to actually use these resources, these financial resources as direct uh, budget direct funding of the social climate fact, uh, fund. So these resources would go directly uh, to vulnerable groups and um, member states, the national authorities are in charge, are responsible. And again, the other measure would be to actually change the system. I know it's difficult sometimes to imagine, but uh, the other, you know, the most important is really to change, like how not to use fossil fuels, you know, how not to use the car, like what would you need Asia not 
I suppose that you don't have a car. I don't have a car, but I don't what would cars. you know? What would you need mm -hmm. not to use the car? You know, so it always goes back to to us, to people. What do we need? How can we be supported? And mayors are key. We have these missions. Mm -hmm. If you heard about them, we have them five missions in the commission, and it's uh well two are relevant for cities. So it's mission on adaptation and mission on cities. And uh, there's also mission on ocean, mission on soil, and mission on cancer. So these are like five big research projects. And the mission on cities has been like they all have been launched. Yeah, they are all in the like the beginning phase. But there were 100 cities that were selected, or 117 cities, I need to rule it, uh, that were selected to become climate neutral by 2030. So maybe I can mention that, that we have front runners, and the same is for mission on adaptation, where uh, also cities and regions um, committed or signed a charter how to, that they will, be, they will adapt, they will speed up the implementation of adaptation measures. Then, are there any other comments you would like to add about the work that DG Clean is doing in relation to climate and law? Yeah, it is, uh, as I said, a lot about the law mm -hmm. because we are a policy uh, policy DG, policy director general, but also uh, because we 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 see, we experience, we meet our stakeholders, so we uh, understand the challenges of legislation. The legislation is there, but then how do how do cities make it? You know how do regions make it? Especially uh, the subnational uh, governments, it's very challenging because uh, they are the ones implementing, but they are not the ones around the negotiation table. So it's a huge challenge, and that's why we have the covenant of mayors. Uh, also, uh, of course, it depends on a country, but in many countries, it's not easy to even promote or to even um implement some mitigation adaptation measures because citizens are on, not on board or key stakeholders are not on board the key businesses local businesses so it uh, it is also about uh, co-creating local ecosystems connecting the industries or more like businesses citizens mayors public administration and how they can work together uh, we launched a campaign energy sprint and this campaign is a toolkit, how to support cities actually in these kind of daily actions, daily things that sometimes also we are used to it as citizens, but now, especially with Christmas, how much lightning we need, what's really essential. Do we uh, still need this big, huge tree uh, on the square? And it goes back to people, you know, it's really going back to us. And when I listen to mayors, it's not always easy. It's challenging to actually pass some messages um to citizens to change the habits because it's really challenging for all of us i also struggle that's that's i think a very good connection and um concluding point to talking about the eu climate ambassador so you did mention that i was one we had a beautiful opportunity to meet in brussels so possibly you can tell us how we can join so i'm already an ambassador very happy to be so you can tell our listeners how they can join and what's the aim in a very few words. Yeah, so the Climate Pact, the aim is to really connect people from all walks of life. You can all join. So you can either become a Climate Pact ambassador like Asia. We have 1,000 Climate Pact ambassadors. 
at the moment, it's really success story. Uh, and this is the way to go forward to work with people like Asia and others that are on the ground, that you are within your uh, field, you know, you communicate to people. So you can become a climate tech ambassador. You can also take it maybe more easy and uh, Google climate tech and see the website. And under the resources, you can also explore the tools that we have, the resources, raising awareness and really promoting, uh, encouraging the action on the ground. Where I believe that we can make the change happen quicker. So we can all do something for our planet. And I think this is a very inspiring conclusion to this episode. So Katerina, thank you very much for your time. And I invite our listeners to uh, listen to the previous episodes and get back to us, both Rethinking Climate and YEE are on social media. We have a website and you can definitely check out our activities and get in touch with us. And Katerina, thank you again for the time today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Asia. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.